I usually don't give titles to my messages, but I'm going to give a title tonight. Amen? The wilderness, the house, the process. Amen? That's the title. The wilderness, the house, the process. And so I'm going to start, I'm going to go back into what we was talking about on Sunday. I just felt like I was rushed. And I think it was very important that I go back and touch a few areas that I want to speak about. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. All the tax collectors and sinners, someone say tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. There was something so awesome about Jesus that gave people hope. Amen? Because growing up, they didn't have hope. Most of the sinners usually are sinners is because they're surrounded with sinners. Amen? Most of these sinners are tax collectors, are these people that, see, the Pharisees always classified as this. He had two classes. You're either righteous or unrighteous. You're either uh, um, clean or unclean. And the Pharisees didn't see it any other way. Either you're, you know, you know, you're like us or you're a sinner. And so these sinners, they, they felt hopeless. They felt dirty. They grew up in crazy neighborhoods and they did crazy stuff. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And they didn't have no hope. So they just went along with the crowd and did things like the crowd did. We're talking about prostitutes, people who did bad things, and yet this Jesus comes on the scene and begins to draw them like a magnet. He, these people just came out of nowhere. They're saying, you know what? There's something different about his preaching. He doesn't preach like the Pharisees. I, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't act like the Pharisees. He, I, we know he's a teacher. He's a rabbi. But there's something different about his teaching. There's something different about this Jesus. There's so, and you know what? It caught, and it, people caught fire to it. They're like, you know what? You got to come hear this guy. He's not like, he's just not like anybody else. Remember the woman at the well? She said the same thing. You got to come and listen to this guy. He, he didn't condemn me. First of all, I'm a woman. Second of all, I'm, I'm not even a Jew. So he shouldn't even been talking to me, and yet he's speaking to me, and he's, and he's giving me hope. You see, what the world really needs today, they don't need another Christian to tell them what they can't do. They need a Christian to tell them that Jesus loves them. Because it says this, then the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained. Someone say the Pharisees and the religious scribes complain, saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. What I'm trying to say is this. The Pharisees will categorize them in two different places. You're either saved or you're not saved. And I know they didn't use the word save, but it was more like you're either 
with the in, Christ, uh, uh, in the righteous crowd or you're the unrighteous? Now, let's keep it real. None of us would have made the Pharisees. We wouldn't have made that crowd. Maybe a few of you spiritual people, but most of us, most of us have some issues. And our issues would cause us, and if you're a woman, I don't care how spiritual you are, you're out. I'll be honest with you, Pharisee women were even, you know, they didn't even third-class citizens. So I know some of you right now, women are like, man, I, I, I could probably make it. No, you can't. They didn't even like you. I'm going to be honest, Pharisees looked at women that they were even worse than sinners. They're, they're third-class citizens. And that's the ones they married that they could divorce at any time. That they were only, you know, God created them only for one reason. is to make more Pharisees. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. That's exactly how they felt. That's, a, that's exactly how their mentality was. They were very religious. And they said, I cannot believe you that you would sit down and eat with sinners. You know what the sad thing is today? There's a lot of Christians, so-called Christians, are the same way. I cannot sit down with sinners. I cannot associate with sinners. I can't go by them because there's bad people. You know what crazy thing is? What if I told you I had that kind of mentality? I was so spiritual and so into my word that every time a Garcia had a party, I couldn't go to it. Because I know they're crazy. They, they start listening to Atomic Dog. and I'll be honest with you. They started listening to more Bounce to the Owls and beers would come out. And they would start fighting. And if, if anybody knows my family, they're, they're, they're a big family. I probably have over, and I'm not, I'm not even, you know, you're exaggerating. I have over probably 100 cousins. Over 100 cousins from the same family. And the second cousins. And they would get together and they would do some unrighteous things. And you know what? I, they would always invite me because I used to be the chief of sinners. So when I became a Christian, it's far be it for me to hang out the Garcias. And you know what the crazy thing is? Maybe we laugh about it, but there's a lot of Christians that have the same mentality. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Christians that don't want to sit down and associate with sinners. How in the world is a sinner going to meet Jesus unless you sit down with them? Oh, you ain't here. I'm going to preach to this section over here. How in the world is a sinner or an unrighteous person is ever going to meet Jesus unless you represent him? You're his son. Jesus ate with sinners. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus loved sinners, but Jesus never sinned. I'll say it again. Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus hung out with sinners, but Jesus didn't sin. He was without sin. In other words, he became all things to all men, but he never sinned. But he was able to sit down with them to share his love. What he was actually doing, he was fulfilling the law. He said, I didn't come here to destroy the law. I came here to fulfill the law. And the law was very simple, that you shall love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And guess what? Sometimes your neighbor sins. And all the sinners said? And the Pharisees complained. 
Religious people will always complain. They complain, how in the world can this guy be a man of God and yet eat with tax collectors who are, you know, really bad people and sinners? In fact, he asked a tax collector to be his disciple. He asked Matthew to be a disciple. There's no, he's way out there. If he was of God, he would have known that Matthew was a tax collector. He asked him to become a disciple. This guy's for sure not of God. Because if he's from God, he wouldn't be hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And so what he was really doing was showing his heartbeat of his father. He was representing. He was the true ambassador of God. He was the true apostle, the apostle. He had a mission. And for God so loved the world that he gave love. His son was loved. If you could wrap up love and flesh, it was Jesus. And when he sat down, people felt it. Come on, somebody. They felt safe. They didn't feel judged. Come on. They felt love. They, they felt safe. You know, it's like my, when my daughters, you know, when they, when they get scared, you know, instead of calling, some, instead of calling their husbands, they, they call me. I'm just playing Isaac and Mike. But they know daddy's going to take care of them and daddy's going to protect them and daddy's going to watch over them. Come on, somebody. Especially like the little ones. They, they know they feel safe. And they felt safe around Jesus. They knew that, guess what? Yeah, I'm dirty, but this, this guy, he wants to cleanse us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to wash us. And so he spoke in a parable and saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep Someone say 100 sheep. If he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness. Someone say wilderness. Now, I said before, the wilderness, the house, the process. The wilderness, sheep. You know what? We're, guess what? Jesus found us in the wilderness. I guarantee not one of you were born in the church. He found you in the wilderness. He left church. Come on, somebody. He left church and found you in the wilderness. It's easy to fish in the fish tank. But he went fishing in the places where nobody else wanted the fishing, the highways and the byways and the places where, you know, where the tax collectors and the prostitutes and those who don't even love people. He went to those areas. And he found them in the wilderness. You know why? Because he has compassion. Because sheep, out of all the creatures, are the ones that easily lose direction. And sheep, out of all the creatures, have the hardest time finding their way back home. Sheep are not the smartest creatures of all. And all the church says, bah. Sheep always lose their direction and have a hard time finding their way back. But the Bible says this, my sheep hear my voice. And when he found you in the wilderness, he called your name. And he heard it. It was more, it was something different. It was more like when your dad called your name because he was proud of you. Or your husband called your name because he loves you. Or your children called your name because they want to be with you. It was kind of like that kind of emotion. When he calls your name, he, something about that Jesus, it draws you. 
And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Because sheep can go very far. And sheep get tired. And I love this picture here. We always see the picture of Jesus with the, the sheep around his shoulders. And you know what it represents? How tired we are from the wilderness experience. There's a scripture, I hope you found it, Romans. Five, six says this. For when they are still without what? In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I want you to look at that. When they were without strength, when they lost all hope, when she ran out on you and he ran out on you and they rejected you, and you know what? When the drugs were not enough and the, and the, and the drinking, just, it just wasn't enough. And, and when, you know, when you're in that place where you're just going, God, there's, the, you know, God, if you are real, come and get me. And he grabs you and he hits you over the shoulders. I'm taking you home, son. taking you home because you have no strength and when you're weak I am strong that's how he found me with no strength no purpose no hope found me when I didn't have a I wanted to see my kids so bad I was willing to do anything to see them. And, I, and somehow, some way, it was always hidden from me. And I, and I just felt like, you know, why even bother? The only thing I was living for was for my children. And my family, you know, got up to a point where it's like, you know what, you're just, you're just not good. And, you know, you always cause problems. I just can't deal with you right now. Except for my mother. You know what's bad when the crazy crowd doesn't even want you. I'm going to be honest with you. Even when your crazy family doesn't, the same crazy family that invited me to the parties, they didn't want me. But he found me. Let's go back. And when he comes, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance? Or what woman having 10 silver coins, someone say 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house. Someone say sweep the house. The wilderness, the house. I really believe, you know, and this is what the revelation that the Lord has given me right now. The reason why he used woman, because woman represents wisdom. When he speaks in the book of Proverbs, he calls her woman. And he's talking about wisdom. And what he's saying, we have to have, be wise because we have some children in our home that are lost. And they, you, they're, worth, they're valuable to you. They're, they're, they're very valuable to you. But you got to be wise enough to understand that you may have ten kids, but one may be lost. You may have just three kids, but one may be lost. You need to learn how to sweep your house and clean your house before, guess what, they go to the wilderness. They don't have to go to the wilderness. They're still in the house. 
I said they don't have to go to the wilderness. You got them there now. You got them captured now. Now be a representation of Jesus Christ. Use wisdom. Clean your house and let your light so shine that men can see God's good deeds. Turn in every stone. Sometimes you got to sweep your house. My wife, I'm telling you right now, I think she, I think she was born with a broom next to her, her leg. It's the craziest thing. She sweeps, and about two hours later, she's sweeping again, and there's a big old mess. And just today, and she goes, my goodness, I'm so tired of picking up after these kids and sweeping after these kids. I go, so am I. She goes, what do you do? Watch you sweep. I'm tired of watching you. But there's a lot of dust and a lot of stuff in your house that maybe you can't see. Until you start picking up the rug. Come on, somebody. And so you start searching for some stuff. Don't just sit there. Let me tell you something. My, I, my kids know. I'll, I'll, I'll go through the room, go through the house. I don't care what they say. What about my freedom? You, you, when you move, you have all the freedom you want. I'll say it again. What about my freedom? <laughs> you have freedom to pay the rent. And if you can't, I'm going through your stuff. And they know it. Jacqueline, Justine, and Stephen, they know it. And there's times where, guess what, I had to sweep my house, and my kids would, you know, they didn't want to keep it clean. And guess what? Unfortunately, they left. And they left not because I didn't see it. They left because they rebelled against it. And guess what? I didn't go chasing them. Well, didn't you just say that you leave the 99 and go after the one? Listen, sometimes they, you come out of the wilderness. Sometimes you got to clean your house. But sometimes you got to believe in the process. Listen to what it says. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the, the peace which was lost. And likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said to a certain man had two sons. Some say two sons. A younger of them said to his father, father, give me my portion. Give me my inheritance now that falls upon me. So he divided them. He divided them his livelihood. In other words, usually they get their inheritance once he was gone. Why? Because usually there, if you have an inheritance, you want to see, make sure he's mature enough to handle it. But this young guy said, you know what? I can do it on my own. I don't need your help. I'm tired of cleaning my room. I'm tired of following your law. I'm tired of following your ways. In fact, give me my inheritance now. And the Bible says that he gave it what? He divided his portion, Right? So he gave one son his and the other son his. But guess what? One son decided to stay. And the other took his portion. He took his inheritance and he went out. And this is what it says. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all that rose a severe famine in that land... And he began to be in want. How many people know when you go to the Lord, you're never in want? He is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You will never want. You will never lack. The Bible says the righteous never beg for bread. 
so the righteous will never eat with pigs. And so this gentleman decided to take his inheritance. Take, he, he took his, and you know what, let me tell you something. He knew better. His father raised him right. And you know what, sometimes you're going to have children that are going to rebel, that think they're going to do it on their own. They're going to listen to what society says. You know that they're not allowed to spank you? If they do, call the police. I'll call them for you. Well, that, what do you say? You're going to spank your kid? Yeah, absolutely. It's against the law. Against what law? According to Jesus, says, spare the rod and what? Train away a child away and discipline him the way. Now, and when he gets older, he won't depart. The only reason why my kids are coming to church or even know who the Lord is because I spanked them. Except for Jacqueline. No, no, Jacqueline got a good. Except for Justine, never got spanked ever. Yeah, I never spanked you ever, huh? That's why you're rebellious. I'm just like. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she's the only one that never got spanked ever. Gianna, right now, Gianna's pretty good, but she's, she's yeah. Cruz already got spanked. Joaquin, I can't spank him no more. He might beat me up. In other words, he knew discipline. He knew what the house. He knew there was rules. He, he knew, hey, come on, somebody. He, don't play dumb. I didn't know. You know we don't do that in our house. Very simple. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you want to do that junk, you better take it somewhere else. You want to do that stuff, you, you might as well take that somewhere else because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And he joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Let me tell you something, the world won't give you anything. And if they did, they want something in return. Nothing's for free. I dare somebody say, that's free. Ain't nothing for free. How many of you got those phone calls? You got a free trip. I got you a free trip to the Marriott, and you can just, you know, let me just see your credit card, please. Let me tell you something. I go, save your spill. Beep. I just hang up. I don't even want to hear them. How many of you got those phone calls? Don't you feel rude hanging up? They just want your card, right? I'm, never mind, I won't go there. And some of us are suckers enough to do it, huh? Like, I'm still paying, man. I thought it was free. Someone said they gave him nothing. But when he came to himself, someone said when he came to himself, when he remembered the presence of his father, you know what daddy was doing this whole time? Daddy wasn't looking for him. It doesn't say, and his dad knew where he was, and his dad sent out spies, and his dad did this, and his dad, his dad wasn't looking for him. His dad was praying instead of spying. The older brother was spying instead of praying. His older brother would come back probably with bad reports and say, he's out there doing prodigal living. How would he know what he was doing? He was spying instead of praying. 
because he knew his father had compassion. I said he knew that his father would have compassion, so he was trying to prevent him from coming back. He was saying, you can't do it. Number one, you being a Jew eating with pigs is, is you know, it's bad, and, and you're this, and you spend, you spend all the money that you gave him. He's bad, and he's out there living with prostitutes. He's bad. Why would you want him home? But yet the father was praying. He was praying that he would come to a census. And the Bible says when he came to himself, it's not by accident. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I might as well serve the Lord. Let me tell you, the only reason why I'm up here because my, my mom prayed instead of spied. She prayed that, you know what, Lord, let him come to his senses. And finally it hit me like a ton of bricks. What am I doing eating with pigs? This world didn't give me anything. You know, when I was in the world, I gave a world 100%. I'm going to say it again. When I was in the world, I gave the world a hundred percent. And you know what it gave me back? Nada. That means nothing. Nothing. Except a bunch of shut, shut doors that shut. My so-called friends that I did in the world, because my real friends are all jacked up too, so, you know, they didn't know. Sorry, John. But my so-called friends at, you know, school and my so-called, nobody gave nothing. So I came to my sense and said, you know what, I'm going back home. I'm going back to my mom's house. She cooks good. And I feel safe with my mom. She, she had these words that would just, I'm telling you, they were just like, it would break me. She would look at me and I'm like, and I was trying to be hard, you know, like, don't, don't tell me about Jesus, mama. And she would just say, Jesus this, and he loves you, and I'm praying for you, mijo, and da da da. I'm like, I mean, if you have anybody ever met my mom, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it was her prayers, not her spying. It was the father's prayers that caused this gentleman to come to his senses. Older brother wasn't praying, he was spying, he was pointing a finger like a Pharisee. And so what Jesus was trying to show you, he's, listen, I'm like the Father. I have the Father's heart. I'm interceding for you. Come on. How many people know that Jesus intercedes for you? I said, how many people know that Jesus intercedes for you? So if you got a lost son, you got a lost daughter, you got a messed up marriage, you got to need some money, come on, somebody, because everybody needs something. You know what? You don't need to go to so-and-so. You need to go to the source. You need to go to the one that knows And the Bible says he came to his senses. You know why the father never chased him? Because guess what? There's the wilderness, there's the house, and then there's the process. And he says this, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's higher servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise Someone say, I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. In other words, listen, he acknowledges it. He acknowledges that he's in a bad situation. You don't have to tell me that I'm a sinner. I already know who I am. You don't have to tell me that I'm no good. You 
You don't have to beat me up because I do enough of that on my own. But I know somebody that won't beat me up. And I know somebody that won't point a finger. And I know somebody that loves me that will feed me. And I'm not even worthy to call a son, but if you will take me in, here I am. Make me a higher servant. And he arose and he came to his father. Someone say, but when he was uh, still a great distance away. His father saw him and had compassion. The Bible says this. When a brother or a sister is overtaken by a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness, lest you also fall into the pit. Brothers and sisters, if a brother is fallen, you who are spiritual, you who are born again, you who are a representation of Jesus Christ, you who are ambassadors, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness, lest you also fall into a great temptation. And the only thing that keeps me up here is Jesus. It's not my, my physical strength or my, my intellect or even by anything possible. It's not by happen or by chance. It's the only reason why I'm, it's by God's mercy I can still stand. It's by God's grace I still go on. It's not in my strength. I am without strength. And let me tell you something. We have no right to point a finger and cast stones. Pray for them. Restore them in gentleness. But like Jesus, don't join them. And what I mean by that, don't join their party. Don't. You understand what I'm saying? Don't go join their party. They'll come home. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. <laughs> the father lifted up his robe and humbled himself and ran. He literally, his brother probably looked at him, how undignified. You, you, you are going to go back to him after what he's done? Did I not tell you all the, 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 you know, did I not give you the report what he did? Did I not tell you that he was with prostitutes and, and that he was with pigs and, and that he spent all your money and that he was talking about our family and, and he was doing, did I not, and you pick up, you degraded yourself, taking the form of a man, dying on a cross for him? Kisses. We don't even know how to kiss. We get all uncomfortable, unless it's your wife. Come on, somebody. We, we get uncomfortable when, when someone tries, like trying to hug it. Like, what's, the, what's the angle here? You know, what's his problem? Right? Just kissers and huggers. Where, where are you at? Raise your hand. Oh, a little kissy face. 
Give me a hug. So, you know, so we got some people that just hug a little too long, though. Let me give you, I'm just going to be honest, be honest with you. You know, when I start patting you like four or five times, let go. I'm like, one, two, three, like, okay, that's enough, brother. Now, come on, somebody. When you get four or five pats in the back, let it out, but get away. But we're very uncomfortable people. We don't mind kissing our wife in the privacy of our room, and we don't mind kissing our children, right? But when it's other people, are like, want to hug me? Especially if we know what kind of person that person is. But Jesus doesn't look at that. Jesus would hug them and kiss them on the cheek and share with them and have compassion on them. And that's all the heartbeat of the Father. And you know what? We need to be more like our Father. We need, we need to be gentlemen. We need to be, come on, somebody. We need to have compassion. We need to have mercy. We need to have, listen, we need to be, come on, somebody. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Well, the world doesn't need another person to point a finger. Listen, it wasn't the world who drew people to Jesus. It was Jesus who drew people to Jesus. He says, unless the, the spirit draws, no man comes to the Father unless the spirit draws him to himself. The reason why this person came to its senses, the process was finished. The reason why you're here tonight, because the process was finished. And that you're here tonight because he kissed you and he loved you. Listen, some of you women found your real prince. And some of you young men, you found your real father. You found the real person that you could look up to. You really found a real person that would lay down his life for you. Not those homies in the streets that said they would lay down their lives for you. And when, when all hell broke loose, guess what? They abandoned you. But guess what? There's, there's, his name is Jesus, and he laid down his life for you. He was willing to take a bullet for you. He was willing to take some, he was willing to take some nails for you. He was willing to take a crown for you because he loved you. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I am no longer worshiping. Come on up. I'm no longer to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Take these filthy clothes off him. Take these filthy clothes off him and give him a robe. Have you ever had that happen when you didn't deserve forgiveness and somebody forgave you? When you should have never got it and you couldn't believe it. It's like a long shot. You're asking for forgiveness and you're like, he's never or she's never going to forgive me. Or he's, you know, there's no way it's going to happen. That person goes, I forgive you. And that's what it was like. Putting the robe on was saying, you're no longer dirty. I forgive you. Because guess what? Your filth, when. I hate. Oh, I was going to do it. I was like, what was going on there, man? I was like, I thought someone was going to call me out. That was crazy. Whoa. Did you see it? Was, was I the only one that heard that? Ready. And I was like, whoa. Man, that was crazy. Where was I? What was I talking about? Uh, forgiveness, right? The robe. And he said, listen, 
that robe wasn't free. I paid for it with my blood. And what I'm trying to say is this. Listen, listen to me and listen well. The party that we're going to go to, the robe that we're going to wear, the fatted calf that's going to be killed for us, it was exchange. It wasn't free. And the problem is, guess what? Sometimes we walk around like we deserve something. It's, it should be free. Give me, my, give me mine. I deserve it. I had a bad life. Give it to me. I had a bad father. I had a bad mother. I had a bad life. I had this and I had that. Give it to me. I deserve it. I, I deserve the robe and I deserve the calf and I deserve it all. Give me the ring. Give it all to me. The only thing we deserve is hell. And yet, Jesus made an exchange. His life, it was like this. Dad, is there any other way that they can get a robe, that they can be with me in paradise? Dad, is there any other way that they can spend everlasting life with us? Because I know this ring, this covenant, is going to cost. And the Bible says it pleased the Lord to crush his own son, to bruise his own son. You see, a lot of times we like to say, who put Jesus on the cross? Some of us said, the Jews did it. The Romans did it. We did it. What if I told you none of the above? For God so loved the world that he placed his son. For God so loved the world that he placed his only begotten son who did no sin. He had to become sin. God placed his son on the cross and crushed him. Now, I don't know about you, but I can never take Cruz and crush him for a sinner. I wouldn't even crush him for somebody I love. But God took his son and crushed him. Crucified him. And the Bible says it pleased him. And you think about it and you say, how could that please him? it pleased him because he was willing he had to die to give us those robes church he had to die to give us the ring the inheritance that we received was not free the inheritance that we received cost his son his life so the next time when we're saying we're having a bad day the next time you're saying, oh, I can't believe this happened to my son or this happened to my daughter or this happened with my finances or this going on with my marriage or what's going on with my church. When you next time you're thinking these things, remember what God did by placing his son and he crushed them. Let me tell you something. He was naked. He was butchered. The crown of thorns crushed his head. What did he do? It was so bad. You know what he did, church? He hung out with sinners and had compassion on them. That's why those Pharisees were mad. Because he was changing the course 
of what they thought rightfully belonged to them. The Bible says in the parable that an owner took off on a journey and he gave it to some servants and he says, work my land so when I come back I can get it. And so when he sent to get his servant came to get his goods, they killed him. And so he says, wait a second, that's my land. I'm going to send some more servants. Maybe something happened. And so he sent more servants and they killed him. And so he says, oh, I know what to do. I'm going to send my only son. He can go and tell them this is my land. And then when he was in a distance, the Bible says that the landowners, those who were working the land, those who, who were working the religious system, looked at him in a far distance and said, listen, if we kill him, then we become gods. This becomes our land. The price of the cross was not cheap. The price of the robe was not cheap. The price of the rings that we wear and the, the righteousness that we have is not cheap. Unlike the Pharisees, Jesus sat down with sinners because he knew sinners needed more. They needed God more than even the Pharisees needed him. And tonight, church, tonight we have a lot to complain about, but how many of you have a lot to be thankful for? That we were once sinners without hope. And yet now we have discovered we discovered how much we're worth. The devil's a liar. We are valuable to Jesus. We are his sons and we are his daughters. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave me in the wilderness. You didn't leave me lost in the house. And you didn't leave me, Lord. You let the process happen. Until I finally came to my senses. And with all eyes closed and heads bowed. With all eyes closed and heads bowed. It's time, church. It's time for us to stand up to represent Jesus in these last days. Do they see your robe? Do they see your ring? Do they see that you're not begging because there's always bread? Do they see God's righteousness in you? Are you willing to sit down with sinners and tell them the good news? Because as the world gives fake news or bad news, there's still a gospel that has good news. And it has never, never, never been wrong. If you are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, if you are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, the altar call is very simple. I want you to stand and say, God, whatever you need to do with me, do it.